Well, hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. Today is Thursday, February the 22nd, 2024, and delighted to have back uh, our recurring guest, John Loeffler, is with us. We're going to be talking about collapsing narratives and the Luciferian quest for control. And I can think of no one better to kind of dissect all of these different narratives that are uh, just beginning to fall apart, even though uh, the progressives try to prop them back up. Uh, they're losing control, which is one of the many reasons why I believe we're getting closer and closer and living in the last of the last days. They know they've not not got much more time as people are waking up. But I'll bring John on here in uh, just a moment. But I uh, want to mention a couple of quick announcements and our verse for the day. So uh, announcement-wise, I want to always encourage you to check out the free section in the Not By Works online store. So go to notbyworks.org, click the store button, and then on the store, we've got all kinds of books and streaming video and other evangelistic resources. But there's one section called the free section, and that's where we've got dozens of charts and articles and different things you can download. No credit card needed. Just put it in your cart, and it'll email it to you instantly. Uh, of course, while you're there, you can shop for other books and uh, resources that you think might be helpful. But we want to make you aware that we've recently added even some additional free uh, resources and charts that you want to check out at notbyworks.org. So we are uh, heading out on the road. In fact, uh, as this podcast is airing, we are traveling down to Atlanta, uh, Georgia, where I'll be speaking uh, three times over the weekend. And then we head straight from there to Orlando, where I'll be speaking twice at the Orlando Prophecy Summit. From there, we go to Claremont, Florida. The next weekend, I'll be speaking seven times over three days. I guess it's over two days, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, really looking forward to visiting with the folks there at uh, Victory, or excuse me, Liberty Baptist Church. And then we go from there to speak Sunday night, uh, March the 10th at Sanford Bible Church. So pray for us as we travel. Pray that the gospel will go forth and that it'll be encouraging and edifying. Uh, to everyone there. And uh, you can check out our uh, schedule at notbyworks.org on the events page. And if you're in any of those areas down there in Florida or Georgia, come by and see us. We'd love to put a name with a face in and meet you. So uh, our verse for the day is from Proverbs 22. Today is the 22nd. And uh, we read in verses 19 to 21, so that your trust may be in the Lord, I have instructed you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge, that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer words of truth to those who send you? Again, Proverbs 22, 19 to 21. And I love that phrase there, John, the certainty of the words of truth, because all of these narratives, and by the way, Klaus Schwab even brags about how they use narratives that they make up just to advance the agenda. I've got that quote in my latest book. Uh, but all of these narratives are uh, falling apart because it's the truth that will stand. And uh, so I love that phrase there in Proverbs 22, the certainty of the words of truth. John Loeffler, thanks for joining us today. 
No problem. Greetings from the woods of North Idaho. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's beautiful. We almost moved up to uh, uh, the North Pacific Northwest up there several, many years ago, and we do have a love for the mountains. Of course, a mountain there is two to 3,000 feet. We're at 7,600, and we've been up to, you know, 10, 11, 12,000 feet uh, through the years here in Colorado. But uh, so, John, first of all, I forgot to ask you before we started, what is the best way for folks to get in touch with you? I want to promote your ministry. Well, right now, uh, we've even taken the website down after 32 years of doing radio, uh, doing talk radio, because I've been in broadcast news for 55 years. Mm. Uh, just email me, john at steelonsteel.com. That was the name of the show. So okay. God, just, God just made us take a sabbatical. We could feel it coming. Yeah, uh, because I'd lost perspective, and perspective is what made us different. A lot of a lot of people deal with data points, and I said I'm not interested in data points. I'm interested in looking at the trends. Yeah, and and uh, folks can reach you John at steelonsteel.com. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Or just reach out to us at notbyworks.org. Uh, send Brooke an email, and we'll send you John's email if you need to reach him. But uh, so let's uh, let's dive in. You know, collapsing narratives. That's kind of uh, uh, the theme, if you will, uh, for the day. Uh, and 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 so you've talked about uh, the collapse of truth, the collapse of uh, the whole issues, you know, relating to uh, the naivety of the Israeli left and anti-Semitism, financial crisis. Uh, jump in, uh, talk to us about this concept of how the closer we get to the return of the Lord, it seems like it's harder for the enemy and his earthly co-conspirators to hold the narratives together, isn't it? Yeah, because reality always becomes real. I love that expression. You know, <laughs> it, it gets to speak last and it speaks loudest, but not until a lot of damage is done to property and economies and a lot of people are hurt and killed. Mm. Uh, and it's a very strange phenomenon here. I attribute it to the sin nature of mankind. But for example, whenever the peace and justice crowd show up on the horizon, uh, going, give peace a chance, you know, and they're out there with their little their little signs, give peace a chance, do this, do that, whatever they're doing, you know that war is just ahead because what they do is they enable the situation and circumstances to happen that create war uh, by believing, say, for example, collapsing narrative, you can do business with bullies. You can't. <laughs> when somebody says, I'm going to kill you, I usually take them at their word, <laughs> you know, until proven otherwise. So uh, that's what I love about you, John. You just you just have such a way with words. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't uh, you got a better safe than sorry, right? You don't want to assume that a bully. Why would you assume that a bully is just joking, right? First, th first thing we learned in martial arts. Okay, when I I used to do this twenty years ago, mixed martial arts, Jeet Kune Do, uh, until I really damaged myself pretty badly fighting one night. Um, and, and that is when somebody says, I'm going to kill you, I take you at your word. And the first thing you have to do is slap yourself awake and say, I'm under attack, comma, stupid. And I don't care what I thought I was going to do five minutes from now or what I was doing five minutes ago. Right now, this is the crisis and I must act accordingly. But mm. the problem we have is a lot of the thinking today is what Victor Davis Hanson calls magical thinking. I call it wishful thinking. And those are the narratives. Remember, the elites in the West, who are largely very, very progressive, hanging off the left side of the world, um, to drive all of the narratives that we're seeing. But we're coming into a real dangerous time, and the reason is the narratives are collapsing. Reality is raising its ugly head, 
in many of these narratives. I began to list them this morning before we did the, the radio show here, the podcast, and it's astounding how many are falling apart. However, what we have learned about people propelling narratives forward that don't work, they don't repent. You know, they don't do a, oh, I'm so sorry, we were wrong, and we need to change our strategy now. No, they double down on a failing narrative. And what that does is that creates the tension, just gets wider and wider and wider until finally the big kaboom that happens, and it's always a kaboom in one form or another, either sociologically or economically, is far worse than if we had just dealt with the issue head on. You yeah. can't solve a problem till you correctly recognize what's wrong. And it's what I call the dead horse syndrome, you know. Uh, there's a fundamental rule of thumb. We live out in the West, and here the fundamental rule of thumb is, sir, when the horse is dead, remember to dismount. It's very <laughs> important. But they don't. They tell you how great the horse was when it was alive. They tell you to ignore the flies and the smell. They say, well, if we just did this, the horse would resurrect, you know, and that's the, the, the double downing. That's why it's a dangerous time, and yeah. you have to be really aware of what's happening uh, truth is the issue. The warfare is deception. And Satan has used this. I mean, who'd have thought Satan would lie to us? <laughs> I mean, why would you ever, ever thought that? Um, you know, and that's it. And it's getting really blurry. It's going to get, I predict, I'm telling people, it's going to get downright dicey over the next uh, few years that we've been here, more so than I would have said on the radio show, oh, back in 2000. And I said back in 2000, we're going to see these crossovers. You're going to see in groups of people that normally wouldn't agree on things all of a sudden cross over and join each other in common cause. And we've seen that mm -hmm. uh, all during the time. But let, let's just pick one. Okay, global warming, climate change. Now, you and I both know, if we go back to 1992, the Earth Summit, as it was called, uh, United Nations Conference on Environment and Development, it, it was sold as an environmental conference. It was not. It was an economic conference. Because if you went to Rio and we had a reporter there reporting virtually every day on my radio show when we were we were a live two-hour day uh, talk show in Denver, and uh, Joan would report in and tell us everything that was going on. And these delegates, they weren't thrilled about saving the planet. They were thrilled about the millions of dollars that was going to be exchanged in making all of this happy uh, happen largely soak the United States and Europe and other first world countries in the name of, well, whatever the term was back then. And that's when you saw the whole global warming climate change thing take off. And remember, the UN was tasked, the IPCC was tasked with the goal not of finding the causes of global warming, but finding man-made causes of global warming, because you and I both know this was part of the UN's agenda for a global government, yeah. of coming up with law that was going to do everything, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, and you, you're so right about how they double down. You know, I remember back in 2012 when I wrote my book, Great Last Day's Deception, talking about the, the global warming, now climate change hoax. And I really thought that the the leaked uh, Copenhagen emails that basically were, were the smoking gun showing that there's nothing to this, that it's all an agenda about finances, was going to be the death of it. But no, not quite the contrary. No. They absolutely double down, nothing to see here, just move right along, just kind of like we see with That's it. You know, the vaccine and some of these other things. It's like at some point, it just it's like you're living in non-reality, isn't it? Uh, it is non-reality, um, and it's an effort to try to make non-reality reality. 
at one level. Like, let me let's zoom out before we go further. There are about four levels that I've identified in this whole issue. Uh, the first level up at the top is what I call the hoi polloi. <laughs> that's you and I, you know, this Joe average, Jane average. We're all just trying to get through our lives, raise our families, whatever stage of life we're in and stay afloat and have something to eat tomorrow. Uh, the second level, now this is where it gets interesting. This is what I call the true believers. These are the Greta Thunbergs of the world who really believe it's about saving the planet, okay, that we have to do. And they believe it. They believe it's about Black Lives Matter. They believe it's about save the planet, whatever your cause is. Level three are the PMC crowd, power, money, and control. These are the ones who recognize it has nothing to do with saving the planet. It has to do with how much power we can consolidate in our hands and how much money can we make. They are willing to use the level two people and convince the level one people that it's sort of true as long as it suits their purpose. If tomorrow global warming turned out to be a liability now called climate change for mm -hmm. political reasons, uh, they would drop it like a hot potato. It would just go right out of the media. And that would be the last you'd ever hear from it. Okay. Because <laughs> they change narratives. Now the fourth level is what I call the spiritual demonic level. And those are the power of the Prince of the air. That's really pushing most of the agendas that we see. Now there's interaction between each level, but it's like diving down in water where you hit thermoclines and you hit different layers. Uh, and so that's, that's where this comes together. And you and I both know that as far as climate change goes, uh, starting about 1992, remember Al Gore's book, earth in the balance. He was buckshotting all of these, quote, crises that we had. Didn't have any one in mind in particular. It wasn't until global warming, later called climate change, stuck that you saw the whole shift. They dropped most of the others, and they began to pound the drum on this. And all of the funding that went into laboratories and research, most of this has been done on computer models, all went to prove that mankind was responsible Dissenting scientists had their funding cut off. And in the name of science and research, fund or fail is the name of the game. So if you fund one side of the debate, it fails. The gorilla behind all of this for over 30 years now, the 800, let's make it a kilogram, the 800 kilogram gorilla in the room is that, okay, say it is warming, say it's going to zing up 1.52 degrees Celsius, 3 degrees, which we know is an absurd prediction now that the IPCC has been saying. It's a big question you have to ask as a thinking type of person is, what are you going to do about it? Okay. And so what they have been saying is, we're going to have net zero by 2030. No, no, 2035. No, 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 2050. You know, they've been doing this. Disguising from everybody the fact that we have no alternative energy that will substitute for petroleum and natural gas. Zilch. Mm -hmm. Nothing is out there that can do it, nor is it on the immediate horizon. Yeah. And so where is reality becoming real now? Have you seen all the protests going on in Sweden, the farmers protest in Germany? The France. farmers' protest in France that went on for weeks, okay, down the Champs-Élysées and elsewhere in Paris. What is this all about? The cost of this is destructive of any kind of an economy. And, you know, people in, in the West, we go, all right, so gas just went up, uh, you know, 50 to 100 cents a dollar. Well, I don't like that, and I can't drive to see my grandmother this year, but, uh, okay, in third world countries, there were riots. As soon as President, uh, I almost said Bush, President Obiden, 
uh, closed down the Keystone Pipeline after the government just jerking these people around for over 10 years and having them jump through hoop after hoop after hoop. Just says, no, nah, we're not going to do that. And what's my name? Uh, so when he said, so they did that. There were riots in Pakistan because the price of fuel, remember, it's all settled on the global market in New York and, the, and London every day. The price of fuel just drove thousands of families below subsistence levels, especially Christian families in Pakistan. And there were riots. Mm -hmm. So this has real world consequences. But remember, your global elites have been talking ever since the 70s and 80s as Dr. Michael Kaufman said about the fact we need to lo lower the world's population. Even Jacques Cousteau said that. Oh, yeah. We yeah have to, and, and they said by X amount of billion people. Well, how do we do that? Ah, well, we can either starve them out. We can disease them out. Uh, now, they won't say that, but you look at what just happened during the recent pandemic, and you sort of get an idea about when you get down to the PMC crowd, they're pretty much into just ruthlessly turning the world now into a serfdom and getting rid of a lot of the uh, less stocks of people, meaning what? People who aren't white. It's a very racist agenda. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, which is always so surprising because the progressives are always holding up race as the cause, but it goes the other way. So that just show you, we have no way of alternative energies. You can't shut it down. They say we're addicted to oil. That's saying I'm addicted to my blood. No, yeah. it's, it's the flow of the economy. Yeah. And that's what feeds us healthcare, provide shelter, keeps us from bad weather, et cetera. So yeah, that's uh, collapsing. Oh, man, so much here that is just spot on and, and so uh, uh, profound. I mean, first of all, the jig really is up. And that's why they keep moving the date, 2030, 2040, 2050, uh, because I don't think they ever expect to arrive. They know something we don't. It's never about what it's about. It's not about the cause that they claim is is you know so important it's about the hegelian dialectic using that pretense that pretext to accomplish their goal and as far as depopulation I, i've written extensively about that in my last three books and there are some quotes that will i remember when i spoke at uh, one of the orlando conferences last year i think it was in uh, i think it was the one in orlando it was there was a heavy spirit that came over the crowd as I went through quote after quote after quote of key world figures, entertainers, people that are just they love death. Proverbs says, "All who hate God love death," and Satan's a murderer from the beginning. And that really is, don't you think, John? The the crux of the matter is Satan's trying to kill people above all else. Satan is trying to populate his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And the more people that die without the gospel, the happier he is, if he can ever be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's sort of a, a, a black form of happiness, mm -hmm. but he's very much trying to do that. Uh, and it always brings death. It always brings death. Socialism always brings death. Mm -hmm. um, and if you looked at all of the values we had in the West 60 years ago, they've all been flipped. Everything's been flipped over on its head. And we're told this is wonderful. Well, the average Jane or Joe looking around right now can go, it's not wonderful. I can barely feed my family right now. Uh, you know what's been interesting in Germany to watch this fight? Uh, if there's almost no such thing as a conservative publication in Germany, either English language or German language. And um, we have the rise of what's called the AFD party in Germany, Alternative für Deutschland, which means the alternative for Germany, because the Germans have recognized their country has been taken from them. 
unlimited immigration has been a disaster. The net zero ideas of the government are unreachable, impracticable, and incredibly expensive. They've recognized all of these things, even while the government in Berlin says, well, what we are going to tell them next week about the whole thing, you know, that keeps us afloat here. So what you see rising is the AFD party uh, and what the media have done, they've started the drumbeat, you know, this JB, it's interesting. You can just hear it. You go to, go to the Deutsche Welle, which is sort of like the BBC of the German language world. And not only are they pushing global warming, but they're pushing how right extreme. Every article is full of the word Rex Extremisten, which means right extremist. And they're trying to tie that in with neo-Nazi groups, and they exist all throughout Europe right now, from Ukraine to France to, to Germany. They're small groups. They're trying to tie that, smear it all as being right extreme and creating this panic. The media sets the tone. Then they get a bunch of people out on the streets in Berlin and other major cities protesting about no to right extremists. They're saving democracy. Let's make AFD illegal, blah, blah, blah. But you know what the polls show in Germany? 40% approval rate of AFD and hasn't budged a single stitch. Mm. What does that mean? The German people are no longer buying the flood of misinformation coming out of Berlin. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. We know that it's a deceptive plan. Satan's a liar from the beginning. Jesus says everything he does is is a lie. So they're advancing this uh, deceptive agenda. But the problem is they've overplayed their hand. And I believe this is, again, part of the sign of the times that they people are waking up in record numbers across the globe. And and so they recognize that the, they've been lied to about many things. I think the election was a big part of that, even though elections have been rigged for decades. This was this was blatant and they overplayed their hand. Obviously, the pandemic and the the death shots and those things were people are waking up. And so I think you've really hit on something here. They're they're ignoring the fact that people are waking up because they know something we don't. They have an end game in mind. I, I have a chapter on the time, the Luciferian timetable, and it's this decade. This is what they've been targeting. And they know if they can just hang on a little longer, something's going to explode, like like you said. And by the way, that may be an actual bomb. I mean, we don't know with all the safety. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. But it could be an economic collapse. It could be some kind of pandemic. But something big is is what they're going to use as an unfreezing event, this catalyst to bring down America and bring the world together under the banner of a one world uh, system. Do you, do you think I'm wrong on that? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, because they understand uh, one of the other narratives is, that's collapsing is the one that we can inflate the money supply beyond belief so that uh, a dollar is only worth four cents of what it was in 1945, that we can have something for nothing, that there are no consequences. Just go to the store and buy a bag of Doritos. You yeah. know, you get one, two, three chips in there or something like that. And the bag is smaller. The candy bars are smaller. Uh, that's exactly what's happening. They understand there's a crisis point coming and that they're going to have to do something because otherwise the crowds with torches and pitchforks are going to descend on Washington, Ottawa, Brussels, wherever the capital is, screaming about what's happening to them. Because this generation, those of us who were alive and assuming the Lord takes his time coming back, are going to be asked to pay for all of the spending since Lyndon Johnson's Great Society in the 1970s. Mm. All of this debt's just rolled forward and called the deficit into the debt. 
And here we are, what, 30, are we at 34 yet? I don't have. Yes, we are. We're over 34 trillion. It's it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. We're spending more on debt service than we are in military budget. This is, you know, so yes, that's where we're moving. And I remember my predictions of, uh, this came from a pastor friend of mine who had been smarting off when he was in high school at a gym meet and his coach to punish him, slit the middle of his gym shorts down the back, you know? And he said, I had to run these hurdles with my shorts flapping behind. And he said, I, he said, I went over the last hurdle and I tripped and fell. And he said, to put it simply, it was full moon in the afternoon, you know? (laughs) And ever since Gil told me that I came up with the vision. I said, when the new world order and that they've changed the name all the time, Right, the new world order makes its final dash for the finish line. It's going to have to strip off all of its clothes, be seen totally naked by all the spectators for what it is, and then run like heck to try to make it to the finish line before everybody jumps out of the stands and then tackles it. Yeah, and that's where we are. We are, I said that like 30, 40, 30, 20 years ago. That's where we are right now. And you were right, this decade, even as far back as the writings of Alice A. Bailey, yep. Theosophical Society. 2025 is when this thing blossoms, according to her writings. Yeah, know? she. I, I cite her extensively in uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. Uh, she wrote 10,000 pages, uh, most of which were published posthumously. She and her husband are the ones that founded the Lucifer Publishing Company. Uh, she claims to have been channeling a demon named Master DK. and, and uh, cults, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally satanic. And I think it's 15 times, if I remember right, in her pages of writings, she referenced is the year 2025 as the pivotal year correct pivotal uh, pivotal year and as you said it was channeled by a demon spirit we she acknowledges this if you read you know the booklets are available because lucifer publishing company is today lucis trust which is a non-governmental organization at the u.n i'm not telling you anything new i know that yeah yeah um and we traveled that and so having said that um her book on booklet on education it's like looking at today's education. It's incredible when you go back and read this. You yeah. made a very important point uh, when we started out this program, and that is when you look at what the people said they were going to do. I talk about the elites, not just some vague cloud of conspiracy theory. I said, this is an agenda. And you go back, and even in the 1940s, when they were saying educators must get kids away from the poisonous certainties of their parents and pastors. They were firing a shot across the bow, JB. Mm. But the church didn't flinch. This is what was so funny. And you're right. You can take page after page after page of what these people have written or spoken about, and they're doing it. It's same. Remember what I said at the beginning when somebody says, I'm going to kill you? Yeah. I'm going to take him at his word. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean it's the absence of certainty today. That's the that's the big weapon is that you can't be certain about anything and they have to attack it that way because God is true. Jesus said I'm the way, the truth and the life. And, and the life. in order to attack God, which is the Luciferian goal, he hates God and he hates God's uh, mankind, uh they've got to attack truth and and that's what they're doing. But I want to go back to what you said about extremism yeah. and how that's uh, popping up all over uh Europe and in America where they are setting I believe setting up a new boogeyman which is going to be the right quote right wing 
domestic extremists. And I think they can't win elections in based on legitimate voting. They they know that. Uh, I mean, in a legitimate vote, uh, a conservative candidate, or at least one that is presumed to be the conservative candidate, would win in a landslide. Uh, in fact, many people think that Trump won in a landslide in 2020. So, and I'm not supporting Trump, but I'm just saying he was representative of the, the conservative sort of right wing, uh, which begs the question is that the best we can do but that's a discussion for another day but my point is the only way they can win is to marginalize and demonize the right and so are you concerned john um that they are going to foment some type of unrest almost like to some extent they did on january 6th and and end up uh blaming uh conservatives uh for it yeah, I've, I've been worried about that because typically when hardcore progressive agendas collapse, they blame the other side. They find a, a reason to blame the other side. Let's go back to Oklahoma City. Remember mm. the bombing of the Murrow office building, there, yeah. which was a tragedy. Nobody agreed with that. Immediately, uh, President Clinton and everyone else got on the bandwagon. They blamed hate radio for mm -hmm. having caused that. Uh, they tried to paint McVeigh as a right wing extremist, which he really wasn't. You know, uh, and they even blamed people who homeschool their children yeah. for being responsible for the disaster. You had to listen to the insane rhetoric coming out of the left at that time. And I remember Gary Bauer saying in one of his dispatches, I used to get them every day, that he said, everybody has succumbed in Washington to this atmosphere of paranoia. Mm. And the few people that spoke up and said, this isn't true, got shouted down. And that's your mob mentality. But why does that happen? Look at what's happening on our southern borders, where sooner or later we may face a constitutional crisis between Texas and the federal government. Um, when lawlessness is promoted by your government, then other people engage in lawlessness as well and or vigilantism. And they figure the government will not enforce law or it's being weaponized. We're watching that happen. And they realize the only way we're going to preserve ourselves and protect our, our, our lives. Well, what's the purpose of law? Protection of life and property. That's it. Mm. Um, the only way to protect ourselves is we have to take it into our own hands. That's what Texas is doing right now, because they have the right constitutionally to secure their own borders. It's in the Constitution. And the federal government is failing to exercise its responsibility. And so Texas says, fine, if you're not going to do it, we'll do it. For sure. the, as far as coming yeah. in. And so now you have the federal government suing the state of Texas when the federal government's violating the law yeah. <laughs> or allowing the law to be violated. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and then, of course, you've got two conservative appointed justices, Roberts and Barrett, that are deciding with, uh, with the anti-American perspective. But I want to go back to OKC for a second because uh, there's a lot more going on there than people realize. At face value, it was bad enough. You know, we've got this terrible disaster, this terrorist attack, and and we're going to blame it on conservatives, blame it on homeschoolers, blame it on you know the patriot groups and so forth. Radio. But that that's that's kind of the the age old never let a good crisis go to waste where they'll take right. advantage of something. And by the way, that goes back way before Rahm Emanuel. It goes all the way back to Machiavelli, as I cite in my book, and it's been repeated by key world leaders time and again. But it actually goes, the, the issue of, of OKC and other similar events 
many times is even way beyond just the surface level where something allegedly happens organically, terrible as it is, and then evil people use it to advance an agenda. In the case of OKC, it is well documented that this was set up. I mean, we know for a fact there were multiple bombs there. You've got, you can't find it anymore, but I've saved it uh, from YouTube. Uh, local TV news coverage showing the bomb squads, bringing the bombs out. You've got multiple people involved. We know uh, Tim Tim McVeigh was a uh, was was a was a FBI informant. We know that, uh, and we know you know scientifically. Uh, and empirically that the, the way they think to say that the official narrative happened could not have happened a bomb made out of nitrogen and all that stuff uh, or fertilizer could not have caused the damage it caused but even if we didn't have all of that we've got unbelievable coincidences like the fact that governor keating who had a background in the fbi he was worked for the fbi before he became governor of oklahoma and he became governor shortly before this uh, tragedy at the murrah federal building his brother, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I don't know if you've heard this before, John, but his brother was a novelist. His brother also had a background in, in FBI and CIA and stuff, but he, he wrote a novel. And the novel was already in the hands of the publishers, uh, completed, uh, several months before the Oklahoma City bombing. And then the book, you can still buy it on Amazon today, uh, called The Last Jihad, I believe is the name of it. Just search Keating. I forget his first name, but it's Governor Keating's brother. And the, the book is about a homegrown domestic terrorist who blows up a federal building in Oklahoma City by the name of Thomas McVeigh. And he's <laughs> captured uh, when he's pulled over by Oklahoma State troopers because he has a taillight out. This was before... The Timothy before the before the event. Okay, yeah. so, I mean, and and even mainstream news covered it, and they were like, "Yeah, what an unbelievable coincidence," you know. And and they, they interviewed Thomas. I mean, interviewed uh, Keating's brother, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm not a prophet, but yeah, it's amazing how this ended up happening," you know. Yeah. So, I mean, Occam's I'm, razor. I'm just telling you, yeah, exactly, Occam's razor. So, in the case of OKC and many things like that, it's it's not just never let a good crisis go to waste. It's the Hegelian dialectic. We're going to create the crisis with a full intention of using it, ca causing a reaction, and then using that reaction to implement our solution. So I think it's been coming for a long time. Of course, that was 30 years ago. But I, I am concerned that you and I, conservatives that, that speak their mind, uh, guys like me that get canceled off of YouTube, uh, they're going to target us as being the source of the problem when all of their narratives begin to topple over, aren't they? That's what I'm really worried about. It's like the, the people at Davos, they understand that a, a an economic crisis of, uh, I would say, breathtaking proportions is going to hit. And it'll be triggered just like the 2007-8 collapse. It would be triggered just by a little domino going, doink, you know, yeah. that you don't think is anything, right? And all of a sudden, and yet we knew it was coming. Uh, I was co-hosting the Financial Sense News Hour with Jim Paplava, and every year at the beginning of the year, Jim would give his predictions. We'd been talking about the coming collapse, um, and he said it's going to happen in June of this year. It will start with the subprime mortgages because they're vastly overvalued in these investment vehicles, and it will just ricochet right down through the credit system, and that's exactly what happened. Meanwhile, they were people, I always think of Congressman Barney Frank, no, there's nothing wrong with Fannie and Freddie, it's all okay, it's holding together. And the voices that were out there, even Brooks Lee Bourne, 
who as early as 1998, and she was Democrat, was warning Congress that this is unstable. <laughs> These derivatives are going to come home to bite us really badly. And people like uh, Fed Chair Alan Greenspan and his successors like Ben Bernanke were all poo-pooing her to Congress, blah, blah, blah. That's why in times that are coming, I really believe knowing your spiritual reference points are going to be critical. Knowing the people and voices you can trust will be critical because things will just, things are just going to get downright dicey. You're going to have a heck of a time trying to figure out what's what at the zoo. Yeah. And sometimes you have to remember, okay, that's because it's a war of deception. And sometimes you step back and say, God, tell me what's going on here. And what do we need to do? What do I need to do with my family? Yeah. I mean, right. Hitler was right when he said, the bigger the lie, the easier it is to be believed. And by the way, that's a general paraphrase of what he said, but it's almost verbatim. I actually ran down the original quote and I cited in, in my uh, recent book, but uh, it really is true. I mean, when we talk about collapsing narratives, you know, you look around and and you think, am I living in the twilight zone? How could anybody believe, for example, climate change? How could anybody believe in the gender surrender movement and transgender and allowing the governments to take children from their parents' home in America and take them across state lines and slice and dice up their organs? I mean, this is America, and yet th this is happening, and people are buying it. Not Not most people, but the, the dumbed down sheeple are buying it and they think, you know, I mean, who, who, you know, if you, if you wrote this up in a, as a novel and you sent it to a publisher, they would laugh after just reading the first few pages and they would say, this is absurd. Nobody would buy this. And yet, Nobody's going to buy it. Right. But, yeah. but they're, but they're, but we're buying it. I mean, just right now, as we're recording this, the world government summit that happens every year in uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, is uh, is going on. And Klaus Schwab uh, just recently said, I think it was, uh, well, earlier today, the day that we're recording this, uh, he said, essentially, uh, humankind is transitioning into the intelligent age powered by technologies that come from the fourth IR, the fourth industrial uh, revolution. Um, I mean, we have to be prepared for a world where we see a fusion of our physical and digital and biological dimensions. So it will be a new world. And uh, they've been ushering in this new world order for a long time. And that's that's hot off the presses. I mean, uh, it really is, it seems to me, uh, ratcheting up. And again, you know, they're they're not concerned about really, truly, they're not concerned about convincing people of the narratives anymore. Because I think that ship has sailed. There'll all, there'll always be en enough people to jump on the trains. Uh, I, I'm not saying everybody's going to reject it, but they're not even worried about telling convincing lies anymore. They are, as you said, racing toward that finish line, and they just hope to get there before uh, enough people step up. Yeah, and uh, and maintaining the narrative is like the Federal Reserve now. Uh, the only thing it's doing is maintaining expectations. That's all it's there to do. It's not there to tell us the truth. It's not there to save us from inflation so much because they're almost at a point where they can't do it anymore. Uh, there does come a point, like Jenzo Parsons said in his book, When Money Dies. Um, I can't remember what this. He wrote Dying of Money or When Money Dies. There were two great books came out of the 70s and earlier. And he said, you know, in the beginning of the great inflation, everybody benefits, nobody pays. 
That was back in the 70s when Lyndon Johnson started the Great Society and all of the environmental spending and the social spending, blah, blah, blah. He said, but in the end, everybody pays and nobody benefits and they can't get out of it. It's like a it's like a box canyon. The further in you go, the less wiggle room you have until finally you can't go forward without a disaster and you can't turn left or right. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where we're at. But the PTBs, powers that be, they, I am sure anticipating this they have to explain it to the public they have to offer their counter plan to the whole thing and demonize usually they demonize the people that are about to get soaked yeah okay yeah That's they the really point. do yeah yeah so i mean it's, uh, it's they double down as you said <clears throat> on their false narratives and and then when they finally do collapse and the horse dies um and they have to get off the horse then they blame you for killing the horse and you're trying to save the horse. You know, you're, Hey, your horse is looking sick. It needs water. It needs food. Your horse is going to die. You better watch on you. Warn them and warn them. Finally, the horse dies and they go, you killed my horse. I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make, it doesn't. Remember truth has left the building. Yeah. Truth is not the issue. I mean, Vaclav Havel pointed that out in his essay, you know, after he became president of the Czech Republic, he said the new totalitarianism revolves around an idea, not around a person. Yet, you made a very important comment last time I was on with you. It will revolve around a person coming up. Mm -hmm. But right now it revolves around an idea and everybody has to give lip service to this idea. And anyone who dissents from the idea in the name of tolerance and diversity, will be intolerantly attacked. Mm. And that's that's what we see happen. It's another collapsing narrative that mm. the progressives really care about safe spaces, security of students. We saw that thing evaporate after what happened on October 7th, mm. and students on Jewish students on college campuses were being threatened. Another collapsing narrative that Jews, by aligning with the political left here in this country, will be safe. Boom. That mm. one has collapsed. Mm. The fact that you can be opposed to Israel's policies, but you're not anti-Semitic, boom, that has collapsed. The mm. idea that we can have a two-state solution, boom, that's gone down. And believe it or not, neither the, in polls that are taken now, overwhelming majorities, both of Israelis and of Palestinians, none of them want a two-state solution. So what's President Biden walking around? Well, we have to have a two-state solution, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 this will not work. Who's who's your peace partner? Is it Hamas? No, Hamas is sworn to destroy Israel. Is it Hezbollah? No, they're swearing to destroy Israel. Is it Iran? No, they're the, going to drive the little Satan into the sea. Is it Fatah in the West Bank? No, because for the last 20 years, they've been telling everybody in Arabic, they're going to drive the Israelis into the sea. This mm -hmm. is another collapsed narrative that has gone boom, crash. So they're trying to prop it up. And oh. uh, it, it's amazing. Like, like you were saying, I, I look at all of the narratives, two-state solution. Oh, that open borders are a good idea. Yeah. I mean, already many of the Europeans are figuring that out. But anybody who says that's not a good idea, well, you're a racist, you're a phobe, you're, a, you know, nothing but epithets, no reason to discussion or argument, just attacks. Yeah, it's it's the ad hominem, it's a logical fallacy of ad hominem. And when you don't have, when you can't win on the merits and the facts of the argument, then you just start hurling insults. But uh, uh, we're almost out of time, but I do want to talk about the border for a moment because uh, it really is a classic example of a an upside down world with all of these narratives that are on their face so provably and empirically by anyone that has half a brain wrong. And yet they just keep 
they just ignore the facts and just keep talking about them. I mean, if open borders from a philosophical perspective were a good idea, why do we have locks on our houses? Why do we have fences in our yard? Why do we have security systems? Why don't we just all open our houses and just, I mean, if if what's good for the, the, the small local person, if you can't... Uh, you know, extrapolate that out uh, and and in in into the larger system, then something's not right. Um, right. But it's it's by design, and I think there's a very serious case to be made for the fact that the Luciferian elites that are have infiltrated our country and our government, the what Joel Skousen calls the deep state. Uh, I think they're doing this on purpose to set up. Uh, an army, if you will, uh, an official army, uh, to be available at their disposal when things really begin to come apart at the seams. I mean, is is that possible? It's it's all anything is possible at this stage. But I always give a warning, and we shall see what happens. Yeah, you know, you, all you can do is run the scenarios. It's like Dan Gordon has uh, two books out: uh, Day of the Dead Gaza and Day of the Dead. I think it's United States. He's a um, he's an American citizen, but he's a member of the IDF. He's an officer in the Israeli Defense Force and has been for a long time. And he wrote these two books and he said, just what we know about Hamas and how they work, what would happen if we did the same thing attacking the U.S. from the Mexican side of the border? That is totally plausible given the political situation between the narcos that exist south of the border here uh, and terrorist groups and funding. He said they could build tunnels under the border. Well, okay, that's one thing. He said, do you realize that certain missiles that they have now, they could launch them from the Mexican side of the border and hit Los Angeles at rush hour, hit these major... Hey, John, John, your audio is, seems to be uh, dipping here. I don't know if something got bumped. Uh, I will get up. I'm, I'm looking good here. Okay. Just, it was fading a little bit. I don't know what happened, but... Uh... Everything you say is so profound. I didn't want to miss one sentence. So go back about two sentences there. Well, basically, you could. He, he lays out and he he starts in Gaza, and he lays out the first novel. That's like first half of the the story. The second half is how terrorists would launch a an attack into the United States on a major city, and he picks San Diego, and he just goes through it as as an IDF officer who's very familiar with the tactics of of Islamic terrorists. He, go, he leads you through it. He said, here's how they would do it. Here's why fighting back would not do anything. Here's why they would do it in multiple stages so that when the first responders showed up, they would then attack the first responders to cripple them. He said, by the time anybody got used to what was going on, we'd be six hours into this or better, and the whole city would just be a disaster mm. at that point. And that's what I've said. It's same as Oklahoma City. Well, we'll change our attitude towards the border when an American city goes kaboom, yeah. whether they brought in a portable nuke or something else, then we'll change it. But then, see, the finger pointing starts, and it almost never points at the culprits. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It sure doesn't. All right. One, one last comment I want to make here before we wrap up, going back to the Israel October 7th. One of the other things that's just stunning to me is how quickly Hamas became part of the dialogue as if they were a legitimate nation, like it's co-equals fighting for something. I mean, you know, go back to 9-11 here. 
everybody understood that Al-Qaeda was an enemy. And, and by the way, I get that there was a lot more going on in 9-11. It's the official narrative is, 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 is not accurate. But there were real terrorists on those planes that were part of the uh, you know agenda, and they really hated America and so forth. So Al-Qaeda really exists. By the way, the CIA created Al-Qaeda years earlier, but that's another issue. But my point is, nobody thought well, we need to sit down at the bargaining table with Al-Qaeda and figure out a truce or figure out a way to solve this or a two-state part. This isn't one nation against another. These are people who are hell-bent on murdering, maiming, torturing, and killing Jews. Now, I get that you know Israel has some rogue elements within their government. They don't always make the best decisions, but they're the good guys in this battle. Am I right? And, and the fact that people have kind of almost legitimized, and I'm talking about not in the Christian world by and large, but just in the secular world, I mean, especially young people, they're they're acting like Hamas is a victim here. I mean, do you, do you see that? Right. And that's what they've done is flipped over the narrative. Okay. Yeah. Because remember, the elite today see everything through the eyes of oppressors and oppressed. Okay. Mm. Um, and, and that's why. And you have to go back over the 75-year history of this since 1948. Um, and I, we don't have time to do it here. I did that, by the way, if people want to see this at candlelight.org, go to their audio video section. And I did a full hour interview a few weeks back. It just scroll down. You'll see it's called a stone of stumbling and how we got to where we are for 75 years. The Arab radicals, Muslim radicals have been saying they're going to drive Israel into the sea. That has never changed in 75 years even though Hamas, I'm sorry, even though Fatah was supposed to take that out of their charter, actually the PLO, Palestine Liberation Organization, which spawned Fatah, um, they were supposed to take that out. They never did, mm. but that was part of the Oslo Accords. And so we've had multiple attacks, 1948, 1967, 1973, and now 2023, to try to do that. Major attacks on the state of Israel, in between which there was ongoing terrorist attacks on Israeli citizens. They forget that the Israelis have been on the defensive for 75 long years. Mm. And yeah. the only time we ever hear about ceasefire is when Israel's winning. <laughs> it's a very yeah, exactly. phenomenon, you know. It's a, <laughs> oh, they're winning. And this happened in 19 in the during the Yom Kippur War, you know, when Johnson got in there and said, Oh, I think we gotta we gotta slow this whole thing down. We can't let the Israelis get too much. Yeah, you know, yeah. was it Nixon or John? I can't remember it. Nixon, it was Nixon. Yeah, yeah. he was Nixon yeah. with the Kissinger. Heavy Kissinger. Yeah, yep. Kissinger. And Kissinger. So let them get too much. Yeah. Um, well, John, yeah. I mean, you are so enlightening and so uh, just knowledgeable. I'm so thankful that we get to share you with our audience. I'm going to definitely have you back on again. We 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 don't have you on enough, quite frankly, but. Uh, uh, but I do encourage folks to go to candlelight.org. That's uh, my good friend, uh, Paul Van Noy. He's been on the program before. Candlelight is kind of our church away from church. We love the good folks there at Candlelight. And that's your church, I think, where you go. And um, so if you go to candlelight.org, look on the videos and look for A Stone of Stumbling. Uh, you can watch uh, John Loeffler's video there, kind of uh, how we got to where we are in the Middle East. Uh, so, uh, John, any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Remember to keep your reference points, the Word of God being your key one, and the ability to prayer and listen to the Holy Spirit. It's going to get dicey. Don't fear that. This is temporary. Even as we go into the end times, it's still temporary. Please pray for the persecuted church. We're actively involved with them and trying to rescue people out of jails, and uh, that's our side activity. You can join us on Facebook at Praying for Persecuted Christians. So mm -hmm. that's really, really important are those two things. 
Amen. Well said. Well, folks, uh, you know, above all else, we want to make sure you know the Lord. And so we're passionate about the gospel here. The gospel is the good news that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And only by having faith in him can you have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So I hope if you've stumbled upon this podcast uh, and you don't know the Lord, that today in simple childlike faith, you will trust in Jesus Christ alone as the only one who has the power to give you the gift of eternal life. He paid a debt he didn't owe. He paid for your sins. He loved you enough to die for you, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose again the third day. So trust in him. And then believers that that already know the Lord, keep trusting in him, not because uh, if you lack faith or your faith wavers or somehow he's going to take away what he promised you. He gave you eternal life and nothing can ever change that. If you're a Christian today, you'll be a Christian tomorrow. But you need to keep trusting the Lord, as John said, as your focal point, uh, the word of God and his promises to navigate these unsettling times. So folks, thanks for listening. Continue to keep us in your prayers as we travel and tune in again uh, tomorrow. God bless.